welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here and joining me, the editor of Bill's Digest, which is basically a Purple Insider for the Buffalo Bills. And uh, we've been talking a lot about the Bills on the show because of their um, successful transition from a pathetic joke of a franchise to now a premier team in the National Football League. Mark Ludwizak, friend of mine um, from Buffalo, always respect and enjoyed uh, your work and getting together when we did in Buffalo. Mark, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing good. I know you're a little out of breath from shoveling 15 inches of snow. <laughs> I don't have to do that so much anymore. Two to four and they start like getting a little antsy around Minnesota. Yeah, it, it's it was a bit of an adventure today, but you know what? January 17th, the first, it really hasn't been bad to this point. So I, uh, I can't complain too much. Okay, well... I got some pictures and videos from my parents of the big snow and it's like, well, it's going to be minus 20 here later this week, but I guess I'll have to take that. So here's, here's where I want to start with you, Mark. I made this comparison recently about the bills and where they've gone over the last few years and the Vikings who just moved on from just track with me here, a defensive minded coach who said ridiculous things in press conferences, a quarterback that people argued with uh, or about all the time, but was basically a middle of the pack quarterback. And they got a different coach who created a better culture and drafted a quarterback that was more athletic. You see where I'm taking this from the Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins era? I've used the Bills as the example of the team that you can be if you're the Vikings. But tell tell me if that's the right path to take that. Or like, what would I, what would I be missing in that comparison? No, I, I think that's fair. Um, unfortunately, I think uh, even the, the franchises or teams that can go into that process with the best of intentions – uh, sometimes you don't really know what you've got in a new coach until you have him in house and you have him for a year. I mean, we, we could go back throughout all of the, all of the drought years in Bill's history. I mean, every time they hired a new coach, Oh, this is great. We're going to change the culture. We're gonna, you, know, you hear the culture word 20 times every press conference. Uh, Sean McDermott was able to do it. A lot of other coaches weren't able to do it. So um if you hit on that guy and and you have a plan in place and we, we can go into that, but I mean, they had a clear plan in place for how they wanted to uh, find their next quarterback development, develop him, surround him, uh, put him in the right situation. And we all know that's, you know, the most important thing that you need in the franchise. Um, so they had a plan in place, but they, they got lucky with Sean McDermott. They knocked it out of the park and, and it, it wasn't like he was, uh, the the hottest candidate in the world coming to Buffalo. I mean, he was he was a strong candidate, a, a reasonable one. Um, but you, you just don't really know. And they 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 missed on some guys that they hoped would change it, and then then Sean McDermott finally did change it for them. Okay, explain to me how. Um, because now I tend to think this might be my cynical self here. It's the quarterback, folks. I saw that our friend Chris Parker from Buffalo wrote an article that said, it's the quarterback, dummies, was his headline. Uh, But I do think, though, that there are other good quarterbacks in the league, and maybe we could even look at the Los Angeles Chargers, that uh, you know Justin Herbert is kind of a Josh Allen, but I looked at their offense and was very unimpressed with their offense. Brandon Staley got so much hype machine early in the year. It's like people shut off the fact that he was terrible in the second half of the year and made some even very poor decisions, a senseless timeout against the Raiders that cost them a chance to go to the playoffs. Lots of mistakes that were made along the way. And he's a first year coach that might improve, but 
where where was it? How was it? What's the evidence? What's the stories that Sean McDermott is really behind this as much as just, hey, we got lucky drafting the right quarterback? Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the quarterback is a huge part of it. But I do think, like you said, there are examples. Um, I'm not saying Matt Stafford is my favorite player in the world, but I mean, look at him. He's always been considered a good quarterback and look at what to, he was in Detroit and what that situation was. And then what he is now uh, with the Rams, at least in a you know better situation to very much compared to Detroit. So um, the, the quarterback is, is definitely part of it, but they, I mean, they did a, a lot of coaches, uh, you know, not to rehash Rex Ryan and all that stuff, but so many bills coaches would come in and they talked the talk about changing culture uh, and attitude and Sean McDermott, above all those others, he walked the walk in that area. I mean, he they really they really had a clear plan. I mean, once they it, it was kind of uh, different in that Brandon being the general manager came in after Sean McDermott was hired. That was um, you know a bit a bit out of the ordinary. Normally, it's the GM and then the coach, but uh, it 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 obviously worked out. And they just they they really had a plan. They knew number one. Um, their their salary cap was in just god awful shape when they came in. So they, I mean, I, I think I was even listening to somebody mention on a podcast the other day that um, it was one of the largest like dead cap hits that they took that first year in like NFL history or something like that. And that sounds right. I remember it being pretty pretty large at the time. So they knew they had to sacrifice that that first year. Um, and that I mean the fact that they ended up making the playoffs was kind of a miracle. It was kind of a, a happy accident. That, that wasn't part of the plan. They just seemed to be maybe a little further along um, than some of us and probably they expected. But the plan was get the salary cap in shape, find your quarterback, surround, and then surround your quarterback by fixing the offensive line, adding playmakers, et cetera. And um, it's, it's not all perfect. I mean, you know, there's been some misses in the draft and, um, they've signed some guys in free agency that maybe haven't, you know, completely been, uh, up to expectation, but, but that's the case anywhere there, their success rate far outweighs their, you know, their failure rate. But, um, I, I think the plan of fixing the cap in shape, uh, yeah, you know, fixing the salary cap, finding your, your quarterback and hitting not just a home run, but a grand slam with him. Um, and then just really having an active plan of how they were going to make that, uh, a success because it really, I, I, you can look at all the variables. If Josh Allen goes somewhere else and doesn't get the support system and these coaches and uh, is brought along this way, he might not be the player he is now. I, I do think they deserve a lot of credit there because we've seen other promising quarterbacks come to Buffalo under prior coaches who were very promising. And then it just completely fell apart since they weren't in the right situation or surroundings. So um, there's a lot to it. The quarterback is still most of it, but, um, I really do. I mean, they they said they were going to change the culture, and unlike all their uh, other previous Bills hires, they actually went out and did it. But you know, I, I think you make a great point though, because when you have a defensive head coach, sometimes that defensive head coach wants to worry about his own defense. I'm not talking about anybody in particular. Uh, and in this situation in Minnesota, we saw the head coach and the quarterback butt heads the entire time that Kirk Cousins has been here. Now, does that change Kirk Cousins? I don't know because he had Sean McVay in Washington. They went whatever it was, eight, seven, and one and missed the playoffs. And the next year it was eight and eight. And then it was, you know, seven and nine or whatever. So it hasn't 
you know, been different. Um, no matter who's been pulling the strings with cousins, he had Gary Kubiak, he had Kevin Stefanski. It's been the same things. However, if your organization is gathering around one person and saying, we will build you up at all costs, they have an offensive coordinator that seems to fit perfectly with what Josh Allen wants to do. And is a top coaching candidate for me, for Brian Dable. And here comes Stefan Diggs, but Stefan Diggs is not enough. Here comes Emmanuel Sanders. Like here's a bunch of offensive linemen that you're just throwing free agent decisions at and things like that. Like it never felt like Minnesota was willing to do that with Kirk cousins. It was like, okay, look, bro, you got two receivers. You're good. All right. You're set. And it was, you know, okay. You know, Diggs leaves and we got you another good receiver. You're fine. We don't need to go out and get another one. Uh, we're going to give you a run game, but we're not going to get you a guard because we need nose tackles. It was just like, it seemed to be two different parts pulling against each other. And it feels like a huge part of Allen's success that he, he is just the guy and everybody knows it. And that's the franchise. And there's no real debate about it. Yeah. Agreed. And um, like you said, you know, like I mentioned earlier that they're really for the, for the bills, there really was a plan. They, that, first year their offensive line was just terrible with Allen and they were hoping that he'd just make it through the year. Um, and then I believe it was that off season where it was like num- priority number one, a with a golden star was we're going to sign a bunch of offensive linemen. And um, I, I believe that is, I think it was the first time I'd ever seen it. They went into the next year with an entirely, it was either maybe four out of the five new offensive linemen uh, clear priority. And then, like uh, you alluded to, they, they just completely revamped the receivers. And they've proven um, to be open-minded and malleable in changing. I mean, if you had Sean McDermott five years ago, I doubt he would tell you this is his uh, dream offense. You know, or at least 10 years ago for sure. But, you know, defensive-minded head coach, yeah, he's been, I mean, awfully impressive um, in being open-minded to – uh, throwing the ball all the time and do, you know, and trusting his offensive staff and the plan and the offensive coordinator. Um, and he is more aggressive on fourth downs. You know, I, I think um, he, he's shown in him being the right head coach for the situation. Um, he's shown a willingness to learn and adapt. And I, I think that's been part of it too. I mean, uh, they'll adapt. I mean, now uh, they're at their best when Josh Allen is running the ball a little bit more, just because it's just such a crazy added dimension. I mean, it was one of the things that stood out to me when I watched his college tape and it wouldn't shock me if earlier in the year, they said, you know what, let's wait till the playoffs, you know, don't take those hits. And in recent weeks, they, they've changed that. But the, again, that's that I think there's a plan, you know, like there, there's a plan in place um, to, to surround him with uh, the right situation. And it's just worked out. Now the, uh, the offense with Josh Allen, um, last year, it was just like, everything came together perfectly and they had this incredible offense. And then everyone knows what you're doing the next year. And things clearly got harder this year. His statistics weren't quite as good passing the football and so forth, but I think it's still a pretty serious success story with taking a quarterback who was only completing about 55% of his passes, which is just ludicrous for today's game. I mean, that's like what you'd expect from some D three quarterback or something. And then now it's over the last two years, I looked at this 66%, which is about average for the NFL. And for him, if he could be average in terms of his accuracy and throwing the football, everything else he could do, throwing rockets down the field and running. 
I think it's been impressive from afar to see an offense designed around him where it basically looks like I compared it to the Dante Culpepper offense for back in the day where it's shotgun throwing it to your best receivers all the time. Uh, you could go back to the Oilers with Warren Moon with his big arm where it was just everybody, everybody go out on routes and everything's on this guy. I, I just want you to tell me about, uh, more about the offense because to me it is like the most cutting edge of the cutting edge. Not that I'm against running the football necessarily, but if you can do this, if you've got a guy to do this and you can design it to do this, this is the most effective type of offense that there that exists in the NFL. Yeah, I, I think Brian Dayball's brilliant. He should be a head coach in a few weeks. We, you know, that should happen. If it doesn't, it'll be a surprise. He, I think, has earned it. Um, I don't even know if he needs to interview. He should just show tape of the Patriots game. The other day. Just, just, just that's all you need. I mean, like, what more do you need? Um, innovative, smart. Um, it, it would crack me up, you know, like anything. You see people, uh, they, they have a bad game and the offense isn't on fire and, you know, Twitter's ablaze and whatnot. And I would just laugh because it's like, how could you think he's a bad offensive quarterback? Do you remember some of the coordinators we've seen? You know what I mean? It's like you normally can tell. Uh, I mean, the, the, I, I won't even get into the names. But the, the, there's um, just a lot to him. I, I really think he's brilliant. Um, the way, again, they they tailor the offense to their strengths. And um, it's funny. It was kind of a, I, I, maybe the best way I could describe it is all year long, one of the narratives is uh, or has been – uh, up until the, the last couple of weeks that they a either couldn't run the ball or B just couldn't run the ball. Well, and their running game was not good for three quarters of the season. Um, then they've kind of flipped a, a switch and at least shown that they have a, a second gear or at least an alternate option to their passing game over the last month. And Devin Singletary's just gotten better and better. But I bring that up because every week in the zoom calls, that question was the questions were coming to Brian Dayball. And uh, sometimes uh, rather forcefully from some of maybe some of the more old school types, like, but don't you need, you got to run the ball, you know, you gotta, and I mean, maybe he would get blamed for it at the time. I, I would praise him for it, but um, every single time he would talk about, we're going to do what it takes to win. If it's running the ball, I mean, I could recite the quote, like, you know, he said every week, if we're, if it's running the ball 50 times, if it's passing the ball 50 times and never running it, um, that's what he wants to do. Now, do I think he would probably rather throw the ball? Yeah, he would. I mean, but look, look at the success rate. The, the results uh, speak for themselves. Um, but I, I think that, again, speaks to – I mean, a lot of coaches will talk the talk there, but I, I think they back it up. I mean, if they, if they need to uh, change things on the fly or, or they're, they're not set in a rigid, this is our offense, we're going to run the ball, sorry, that's it. Um, it, that, that's just not their, that's not their way. That's not his way. And I, I think it's, again, it's just a, a stark contrast to a lot of the other bills teams we saw throughout the drought where come hell or high water, they were going to run their, you know, Rex Ryan was going to ground and pound it, whether they were good at it or bad at it. Um, Kevin Gilbride going back even, you know, further, he was going to throw it all the time, even if they didn't have the offensive line to do it. So, you know, there are, it streams in both directions, um, but again, I go back to them just surrounding Josh Allen with talent and, uh, being willing to, to do whatever it takes. They, they will change it up. They're, they're not set in their ways. 
What else can you tell me about just dealing with uh, Brian Dable? I'm curious about that. You know, he got a couple of interviews and didn't get any jobs. And I could see where the NFL could look at and say, oh, okay, one year wonder, you know, Josh Allen made a lot of plays. We'll see if it continues. It's clearly continued. And the Vikings, as of right now, have not interviewed him yet. But it seems like too obvious to me that you would want to interview every offensive coach that you could get because what you're looking for is, and I know it's working out for McDermott, but if he leaves, you have to change your offensive coordinator. You're looking for your Andy Reed, where even if it's a new offensive coordinator, it's the same system that you could keep running back over and over around yeah. your quarterback. Um, but why, why do you think that he didn't get a job last year? And um, what else can you tell me about him? Yeah, no, I, I like Brian a lot. He's a, a personable guy. Um, you know, in the days that, you know, even pre pandemic or maybe, uh, earlier training camp when we were out there a little more, I mean, he would shoot the stuff with us, you know, I mean, he, he's, he, I, I, I think he's a, a good person, you know, honestly, first and foremost, um, I was surprised he didn't get a job last year. Truthfully, I think, uh, I mean, you look at his performances as a, you know, coordinator here. And then, um, I mean, there is history there with, uh, Saban in Alabama and Belichick in New England. I mean, like it, it, there is, I, I think the resume is there. Um, and then I think it kind of speaks for itself with how he, they've just completely transformed things and been, um, I don't know if revolutionaries are a word because the chiefs are maybe doing it first, but they've just been outstanding and record breaking. I mean, I, last year they broke pretty much every conceivable record in like franchise history. Like that should count for something. So um, I was surprised by it again on the outside in, I, I can, I'll just say like, I think a lot of times when you see the hot coordinator, not get a job, a, we don't know what's going on in those meetings. B sometimes the best coordinator aren't the best head coaches and vice versa. You know I mean? That can happen. I'm not you know saying uh, one way or the other with Dayball, I, I would expect him to be a good coach as a uh, head coach, because I think he's a good coach. I, I, I just generally believe that. Um, but it, it is a different uh, skill set and all that. So I, I, I'm surprised by it. I, I think on the flip, like I, I think Leslie Frazier, um, who obviously was in Minnesota for a little bit, um, I think he's a great coach too. You know, it, it depends on what kind of philosophy and what kind of changes you want to make. Um, you know, so I, I, I just, I think they're, they're both, uh, I'll, I'll be stunned if at least one of them doesn't get a head coaching job because I just, I think they're good coaches, offense, defense, whatever. I just, I, I truly think they're good coaches. Folks, we've got an even better offer to tell you about from Soda Stick. If you use the promo code Purple Insider, one word, you can get 15% off your purchase. That's right, at sodastick.com, your place for Minnesota sports inspired apparel. You can get 15% off just by using the code Purple Insider. I've told you about all the great football designs, but they've added a few more, including the Axe is Back for Minnesota football fans. You can get that on a shirt, on a hat, and also Randy Moss is the goat, the purple people eaters, Bud Grant designs for the old school fan. Plus the hockey and basketball teams are both actually exciting this year. And soda stick has you covered there as well. Go to soda stick that.com. That is S O T A S T I C K.com and use the code purple insider for 15% off. Two more things for you. One is I want to, I want to understand the vibe because 
it's pretty ugly here right now, Mark. And you've been there for many years where it was ugly with the fans, where you had groups of fans when I was there who wanted to call into our radio station and tell us that everything the bills were doing was the smartest thing in the entire world. And that we were idiots for questioning whatever quarterback that they had just drafted <laughs> EJ Manuel or whoever, uh, or Tyrod. I remember I did post game one of the years where Tyrod started out hot and then missed the playoffs. I think he threw a pick in Philly lost to Sam Bradford in maybe 2014 to miss the playoffs. And you know, that post game, it was like, guys, the quarterback's just not good enough. He's a 500 type quarterback. And I remember it was not a fun time uh, taking calls in that situation because there were a lot of Tyrod Taylor defenders. No, he's good enough. It's just the guard. It's just the receivers. It's just the coach and everything else. And I, and I wonder what it is like for everybody to be, cause I have never had this in my career of covering where everyone is sort of like, okay, the quarterback is great. Now it's, can we beat whatever teams um, that is, has to be kind of unusual for you. It's yeah. It's surreal. Um, <laughs> I, I could uh, share a personal anecdote. I mean, earlier this year um, I had a, a little writer's block after some games because, and I think it was in part because it was just so different. <laughs> like you're so, and especially when um, it's a team that you you pretty much know as a contender. Um, and before they hit their rough patch, it's like, well, what did we didn't learn anything this week? Like they're good, you know, and, and where in the past, um, when you're used to, you know, ripping a guy or here or criticize or whatever, analyzing this, I mean, it, you just get so used to it because it was, um, you know, two decades of that stuff over here. So, uh, it's been surreal, but, um, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's it's the quarterback. I mean, he's just he's he's phenomenal, and um, their whole fortunes have changed with him there. Um, everybody recognizes it, and you know, fans here are just you know in love with the guy. So, and and it also helps. I mean, he 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 does all the right things. He says all the right things. I mean, he he really um, you know it, it, going back to uh, finding the right guy to build around. I mean. McDermott and being in, in recognizing just how hard of a worker he was. And again, players will say it, coaches will say it. Oh, he studies all the time. Like, like Josh Allen truly, um, you, you, you touched on it earlier to, to fix that, um, accuracy rate. And the, you know, he, he, I mean, he had clear accuracy, accuracy issues coming to Buffalo and, the dude put in a crazy amount of hours uh, to correct it. And he did. And, and the, the odds of that happening were probably slim. He corrected it. <laughs> like they, they, and, and they, I, I think um, them recognizing just how hard he was going to work um, was a big part of them finding the right guy and maybe taking him instead of, I mean, it looks silly now, but you know, he and Josh Rosen were very, very similar at the time. And um, I, I believe in addition to all the obvious physical attributes, I, I think Josh Allen's attitude and work ethic and them really prior the bills, just really prioritizing that and knowing that they found the right guy and um, not somebody with a Joey Harrington attitude that, that, that they found, you know, the, the guy that was going to put in just this crazy amount of work and do it all the right way. And he has, you know, it sounds like I'm, just praising the guy nonstop, but he, he's been unbelievable. And um, yeah. 
Well, there's really no- nothing else you could do at this point after they scored seven touchdowns on seven <laughs> drives. If <laughs> I, I would say negative media, if you could find a problem with that, yeah, right. But, but it is it is fascinating though. This isn't my other question, but I sure. am so fascinated by his development because through the first couple of years of his career, being that inaccurate and struggling that much is unprecedented to turn it around. I mean, mostly those first couple of years point to who you're going to be. See Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen, who there were teams defending still, you know, a team traded a second round pick for Josh Rosen after he was horrendous. Another team traded a second round pick for Sam Darnold after he was horrendous, that there's always teams believing Rick Meyer will be the guy that turns yeah. it around. Wasn't it uh, the bears who traded a first for him? Yeah. I, I mean, there's always belief in the, in the top picks and almost always it blows up in everybody's face. Um, unless they showed something like a Ryan Tannehill who showed something in Miami, but you know, ultimately didn't work out. So, but with Allen to have some struggles, some serious struggles those first couple of years and turn it around to me, I mean, the, the player is a huge part of it, but also it just seemed like the confidence that they had to continue to just let him throw the ball. And they didn't go to the like, okay, well, we're just going to run and go to this, you know, we're going to run Army's offense or something with him and then get rid of him after his fifth. Like there have been these other quarterback situations that could kind of tip either way. And it seems like it always ends up with Doug Peterson fighting Carson Wentz or, you know, whatever else, like in fighting about the guy, Mitch Trubisky, along with uh, Matt Nagy, where it seemed like Nagy from the reports that came out was doing everything he could to undermine Trubisky or make life harder on him as, and maybe you should just run a few bootlegs with the guy or something. Like, why are you making it harder on these quarterbacks? That to me seems like the pivot point of continuing to build around him and show the confidence that he could get there. And then ultimately he reaches his peak. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, like I, I've said, I, I, I truly think it's a combination of um, them being malleable and willing to build the offense to his strengths so that they're not, um, they just were not set in one way or the other. That's truly been, um, that, that's why I think Brian Dayball is such a great offensive mind. Um, and you combine that with just, you know, again, it almost sounds cliche, but just a a crazy work ethic. Like they did, they spent so much time with those quarterbacks and I, we all knew about his arm. We all, but I I think it was his attitude and commitment and all the, again, all the stuff people toss around, but maybe don't always either mean it, or it might not be as true as they say, but it's true with Josh Allen. Um, and yeah, they've been on, they've been on the same page from day one. Um, you know, he and McDermott are just as tight as, uh, I think a player coach relationship can be there. There's no, you know, I don't think there's ever been any type of even the slightest rift <laughs> there. So, um, yeah, it, it just, uh, the right plan and the right people and it's worked. I think that this is really changed my mind that particular draft on trying to figure out which quarterbacks will be good during draft season, where I think it's really good to look at the details of the quarterbacks and we could talk about those and maybe what correlates more or less to success. And, you know, now we're saying, well, freak athletes, that'll help you. But Jordan Love might be terrible. And he was supposed yeah. to be the freak athlete of the group. And, you know, I don't know that there's anything ever that's really correlated. Uh, Dan Marino threw a ton of interceptions his last year in college and yeah. becomes the 
most accurate quarterback of all time. It's like, what? Uh, you know, the, it's just college is so much different than the NFL and circumstances. It's like, if you play with a bad Wyoming team, it's not like playing with the Jaguars where all the guys are drafted and excellent. It's like, yeah. you could be playing with dudes who, um, none of them will end up in the NFL or play in the XFL or anything. They could be just horrible playing with Josh Allen. It's so hard to tell. And then with Mac Jones, who I know didn't play great against the bills, but his team was so good around him that people tried to ding him for that. And then he turns out to be pretty good right away. It's like, there's yeah. no predicting this. Um, and I think Josh Allen makes that super, super clear. Now, the last thing I have for you is I just want to kick around some old bills coach stories because <laughs> folks, you no, there's just no comparing. I mean, this it maybe the Cleveland Browns might have the Bills on a run of ridiculous coach things, but I'm not even sure that's it. The yeah. Bills are the only team in the NFL to not only have one coach just quit the job, but two coaches just quit the job. Um, was it Mike Malarkey that said the uh, sales were underneath our wind or whatever? <laughs> or was that the instead of take instead of taking the wind out of our sails, he said the sails out of our wind, and that became his classic. Yeah. classic thing. Give me some of your favorite all time hilarious bills coaches story. Well, you know, quickly what's real funny, not to beat a dead horse, but um, Malarkey was like the opposite of a Brian Dable. He was running his offense, you know, and there was some success early on and then it just flamed out in spectacular fashion. But um, really he might be the perfect example of like the, the anti Brian Dable. Um so I got, I got off track there. Uh, what, what, what was the question there? Just about pure ridiculousness. Pure ridiculousness. <sighs> Man, the, the Marone stuff was interesting. And, and, and I say that, and I, I, this is going to, I don't know, people might be surprised to hear me say, I don't think Doug Marone is a terrible coach. I, I, I actually don't. He just did a few ridiculous things that we had to deal with and, um, that there was a clear learning period there. I remember like his first or second day of training camp, he didn't understand that unlike in college, um, you had to give at least like some injury updates in interviews and that like, we're going to press you on it. Like, we're not just going to, you know, it's probably easier when you're, you know, only covered by a couple people or whatever, you know. Um, and I just remember it's just some of the most uncomfortable conversations uh in those early press conferences and then he had a long i mean he went off but the, the, but then he had a long talk with um john warrell with the ap after and it was like it was professional and it was like look no you need to at least give us this we're gonna ask that you know there, there was some give and take there um i remember finding out about him i was going to cover a sabers game um the night that he quit and i remember going um, you know, the elevator I'm talking about, the, the, the old elevator that takes 20 minutes to go up and down at the, the Sabres arena. That was just surreal. Um, you know, people, I, I knew a ton of people at the organization that just despised him. But again, if you want a few more games, all is, you know, <laughs> all is forgiven. And I, and I truly, you know, I, I bring him up first. I don't think he was the worst coach in the in the world. I think there were many other bills coaches that were much worse than, than him actually. I think um, that he never really understood like how anything worked though. I think yeah. that's exactly right. That he could coach football. He was the offensive coordinator for the saints at one time. Like he could yeah. coach football. It was just that 
he, I remember he yelled at the entertainment side for showing an interception that EJ Manuel threw in training camp. And it was like, well, what are we supposed to show? Because every good play by one side is a bad play by the other side. Yeah. So if we don't show interceptions or catches or like, what can we show? I remember him berating somebody on that side of things who did not have it coming uh, over that. It was just, that was just ridiculous. Um, with Rex, my favorite was hiring his brother when he hired yeah. Rob and then they rode through the park on a double bike. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's not good. This isn't going to go so good. That, yeah. that, that was over right there. Yeah. And you know, what's funny though, again, I mean, it, we it just let sometime, I mean, I think back uh, Ralph Wilson, every, dra- you know, every other draft would say, you know, the, one of his go-to quotes was I'd rather be lucky than good. And I think we got lucky with this draft pick and blah, blah, blah. And I think that's true because again, going back at the time, it sounds crazy, but on paper, the Rex Ryan hiring made sense at the time. Now, again, in all practical, it just, it ultimately just, flamed out in just you know incredible fashion um I, I heard stories about them instead of working on he and his brother instead of working on game plans on a friday afternoon they're in the team hot tub you know just chilling you know stuff like that um nothing nothing would really surprise me with them um and again he, he was a guy who was just going to do his things you know things his way again i don't i don't the the thing that surprised me about him i'll say is I truly thought, and I could make the comparison to like someone like Dayball again. I just thought you would see more, uh, better coaching, you know, and, and better game planning, and better. And it just, especially because I, you know, I, we all remember when the, when the Jets were running well under his watch, and then it seemed like the longer he was here in Buffalo, um, the worse a lot of those areas got. And it was just, you know, there were funny stories every week in the press conferences were actually a ton of fun. I mean, it was a ridiculous kind of weird, fun time um, for us uh, from a, you know, reporter perspective. But yeah, it just, he, he wasn't the answer. Well, with uh, Rex, one of his issues, I think, is the same issue Mike Zimmer has had with his defense where he just wouldn't change it. And Mike Zimmer told everybody up and down, oh, I I adjust and I make all these changes and everything else. Like, well, maybe that's true, but, you know, it doesn't really seem that way. And then with Rex, his own players, I remember, were calling him out in press conferences because he had told them you could say anything you want. And so they did. And they were like, yeah, we're not getting in the calls in time. We can't make the checks. There's too many things to do. And so it ended up being like some infighting there. And you know, what's funny. We went this whole time and it just popped into my head that I haven't even mentioned Stefan Diggs to you because, because we should wrap on this and I, there's a football game going on and we should watch it. Uh, (laughs) But um, it's funny because you called me right after the Diggs trade and said, well, well, you know, what do you think? I was like, I think Diggs was right. (laughs) And I think, and I said, I think he's going to go to Buffalo and I think he's going to shred everybody there and he's going to win football games. You guys are going to be very happy. Well, um, nailed it. Yeah. Just what's, what's the feeling there about Stefan Diggs? Again, uh, similar with, uh, you know, a lot of the analysts, it's just turned out to be a perfect fit. I mean, um, he's thrilled to be here. Uh, he could not be happier in this offense. He loves Josh Allen. He loves winning. Um, he is, uh, and as you know, he's fun as hell for us to talk to. He can get uh, actually kind of like deep in a formal 
press conference NFL setting, which is not always the easiest thing to do because it's a very, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say stuffy, but it's a very, you know, it's not the most personal, especially now uh, when we're on Zoom and stuff like that. But um, there were a lot of, when we were still allowed to go out there, you know, before Omicron and everything, a lot of his press conferences were, they would have, he would have a couple answers every week that were kind of fascinating and fun. And he, and he enjoyed it and we enjoyed it. There, there, there was no, you know, it, it was just, I, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. Um, and then on the, on the field, he's just been everything, you know, you, you just watch him and he's been everything um, you could want in a elite number one receiver. Like there, there's just, there's no question about it. He's not, you know, here in Buffalo, we had so many other receivers um, over the years, whether it was Sammy Watkins or Lee Evans or Robert Woods. And um, a lot of them had very good moments, but you never knew. It was like, okay, well, you know, is this guy an Eric Moulds or not? And uh, maybe not. Um, and from the second he stepped onto that football field here, it was like, yep, yeah, number one receiver, one of the best in the league. I'm like, you're good. <laughs> so uh, it, it's been uh, just unbelievably smooth sailing, um, he and Josh Allen are, are, they, they just, they hit it off from day one. They, they, you know, some of the stories about them, uh, hitting it off and off season workouts, uh, not even a Buffalo when they get together with the receivers, you know, for passing camps and stuff like that somewhere else. So, um, he, he's just, I, you know, I know Minnesota fans might not want to hear that, but, um, he's just been fantastic. He's just, he's been everything the bills could have hoped for in this. He's a very smart person. And yeah. I think that it, and very competitive. And I think it drove him crazy to know the right answer and not have anyone take him seriously to listen to it. And I think that's probably what I told you going into 2020 is yeah. like, they just wouldn't listen to him. And it was very difficult here because people always want, like I said earlier to say that the, Oh, the, my team did the right thing. It was this guy's fault. He was the problem. You get out of town. As I just earlier tonight watched Odell Beckham score a touchdown. I'm like, well, uh, but with Diggs, I I knew from people that I had been talking to of what he was trying to get accomplished and how frustrated he was. And I and he just did he did one thing, one thing, skipped one practice. He yeah. never said anything in public. Throw me the ball, throw me the damn ball, the Keyshawn Johnson. There was nothing like that. No teammate ever said he was a bad teammate or anything else, but that one thing stuck with people and they said, No, he's a cancer, get him out of here, all these other things. And it was so frustrating because his reputation, because of that assumption of what was going on, looked much worse than it actually was. And now he's thrived. And the Vikings just fell ass backward into another one of the best receivers of the league. Cause yeah. this franchise always has to have an elite <laughs> receiver. I don't know why. Um, so it's a little bit of all's well is that ends well, but it's also a smoking gun for the Zimmer era of this is kind of what was going on. And this whole conversation here, this is what needs to happen. Yeah. Basically is look at this and follow this. That's how you succeed in the NFL assuming you hit on the quarterback, which is not always easy. Um, Mark, it's been super fun to get together with you. And I always uh, appreciate our tweets back and forth from time to time and your coverage of the bills. Uh, I'm going to say this because I don't think there's any other bills media listening. I've muted a lot of people just, yeah, just, yeah. just because of the constant updates and I like don't cover the team, but yeah. um, I haven't muted you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Even here, I've muted some people, but you know, keep that, <laughs> keep that between you and me and the people listening to. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
It's a different atmosphere in that media. <laughs> I'm telling you, the Minnesota media versus the anyone on the East Coast, it is so different. And it's yeah. uh in what way? Just a lot less stressful. Oh, yeah. just the, there is so much less fighting all the time and yeah. yelling at each other. And maybe this is less because the team is good. I don't know. Uh, but I mean, when I was there, it was just this person hates this person and you, you know, they, they, you'd be people fighting all the time, arguing on Twitter constantly with each other, doing stuff to each other. You know, it was just like really bad here. There's the passive aggressive Midwestern, you know, whisper behind people's back, but there's <laughs> that everywhere. It's just not like people are not going out of their way to start fights with each other, uh, which has been a change and also an adjustment for me. It's like, don't, don't say it. Don't do yeah. it. Don't get in a fight with anybody. I made it a goal. That's funny. I'd say I don't I don't know if that happens here anymore. I will say I'd say at least with the, my bill, the people I know, I'd say there's probably like kind of two groups of friends. Um, and a lot of us do get along well. I mean, you know, Heather Prusak and John Scott got married over the summer and there were a, a ton of us over there. Um, and, you know, there's there's gatherings at people's houses, at least, you know, pre-COVID. Um so, you know, maybe it's been a little uh, smoother in, in recent years in general, I'd say. So it was me. Yeah. That, that's what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark. Thanks. Thanks for getting together, man. This is really fun. And uh, we will see if uh, we're talking again more a little bit about uh, Brian Dable in the future. I don't know. There's lots of candidates. Uh, we'll see. But thanks for the insight, man. And uh, enjoy covering the playoffs. I really appreciate the time in the midst of a playoff run. Anytime. Appreciate it, man.